0: The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. Yo, hey. You're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcast, and this is the Least Professional Wrestling Podcast. I'm not a professional broadcaster, advertiser, audio editor, clearly. I am just a lifelong fan who loves professional wrestling and sports entertainment, so I have a podcast chatting about it. Uh, This week, I give my reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, uh, and AEW Dynamite Both the Saturday show and the Wednesday night show. I also talk about the WWE releases that happened within the past week. You have all of that to look forward to. Uh, We're going to get started with the Drews and Notes section. And I hope you have a fun time and enjoy listening to this week's Drew World Order. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I actually want to mention something I forgot to talk about last week, and that was uh, Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes giving birth to a baby girl, Liberty Iris, and then um, John Moxley and Renee, formerly Renee Young, I guess I should say, uh, Renee Paquette, uh, Renee Good, I'm not really sure what to call her, Uh, they also gave birth to a baby daughter. They, I don't believe, have come out with the name yet. But uh, congratulations to both the Rhodes family and the Moxley family. Uh, That's real awesome news. But moving to some news that that isn't real awesome and that, more WWE releases. This is the second bout of June releases for WWE. There were some at the beginning of the month and now at the end of the month here. Most of these people... I don't really have any sort of uh, uh, connection to or uh, description of to really say much. Like uh, Matt Martell, Chase Parker, not really sure. Um, Austi- August Gray, uh, yeah, I don't know who that is. Um, Tony Nice, Arya Davari, they were both on um, Cruiserweights uh, 205 Live. Um, Tony Nice, I saw him win the Cruiserweight title at WrestleMania 35 Live. That was cool. Um, but other than that, I really can't tell you much about Davari and Nice. Um, I always liked Nice's um, his, uh, um, his nickname, the premier athlete. Um, Arya Daivari did this, uh, character, kind of a uh, high class character but I can't tell you much about that. Kurt Stallion, don't know about that. The Bollywood Boys were both released, uh, Samir and Sunil Singh. Um, they're probably most famous for their run with Jinder Mahal when Jinder was the WWE champion a few years ago. They were on SmackDown uh, every week. I thought they did a great job. Um, I had heard of the Bollywood Boys before they came to WWE, and then they... Continued to do their Bollywood Boys uh, bit after the run with Jinder. Um, they always did a great job getting beat up, uh, especially by Randy Orton. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not going to necessarily miss them. I didn't watch 205 Live, but, you know, they they had some good talent that I knew of. Tino Sabatelli, I thought he got released, like, last year or sometime I don't know. Um, yeah, I thought he got released. Yeah, because he showed up on an AEW, like a Dark when I was still watching AEW Dark, or something like that. I remember him showing up. So he must have got resigned and then uh, <laughs> fired again, which is lousy. Killian Dane, that's a pretty big surprise. He was just with Drake Maverick, although he was kind of floundering um, after Sanity uh, and Sanity... You know, it didn't really do anything on SmackDown, on the main roster. Uh, he came down, he did a good job. I liked the odd couple with him and Drake Maverick, but I guess they just didn't have anything else for him. Didn't see him doing anything. Arturo Ruas, or Huas, I guess is just because he's uh, Brazilian you're supposed to say it. I thought he was probably going to end up in the Diamond Mind, and he didn't. Um, kind of a bummer. He was on Raw Underground for the short time that that existed last year. Um, But other than that, I don't have much else to say about him. Marina Shafir, when Jessamyn Duke got released, um, his writing was kind of on the wall that Marina was going to get released as well. Kind of a bummer. She never really got to show what she could do. Um, And I was always looking forward to the four... Horsewomen of MMA versus four horsewomen of WWE, and obviously that's never happening. Um, Shane Baszler's really the only one that's actually still left on the roster. Marina um, and uh, Jessamine are gone. They they released. Ronda's um, having a baby, and uh, uh, I'm you know I'm guessing she's not contract contracted, and so Shane is the only one left of those. Uh, the four horsemen of, uh... Or the horsewomen, I should, I should say, of MMA. Um... And then the two biggest surprises to me were Fandango and Tyler Breeze. Kind of a bummer for Tyler Breeze. Fandango, I, I get. You know, he was there for over a decade. It took him a long time to get out of developmental onto the main roster, um... With this Fandango character. Um... He, you know, uh, uh, WrestleMania 29, the, he debuted, beat Chris Jericho the next night. The crowd was obsessed with his theme song, and that was the height of Fandango. Tyler Breeze, um, really great stuff in NXT as the, the model. Um, when he went to the main roster, him and Fandango did a great job as the fashion police for a, a while. Their promos were hilarious, very entertaining. It's sad to see these two very entertaining, talented guys get released. I'm sure they'll both be fine though. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll never forget Tyler Breeze coming out and uh, at NXT Takeover Brooklyn, um, as the first entrance and as an a, a NXT in an arena show, um, and facing Jushin Thunder Liger. Really, really cool moment. Um, And I just like Tyler Breeze in general. I wonder what's going to happen with him in Up Up Down Down. Because he does like Battle of the Brands and Departy, um, which is their Uno game, I believe. I watch Battle of the Brands, but I do not watch the Uno. I did at the start of it, but uh, I just kind of fell off of it and haven't started watching. But he's really entertaining. Uh, I hope he stays on with Up Up Down Down at least. And I hope uh, all of these people show up somewhere and make a good living off of professional wrestling. Um, So that's going to do it for the Drews and Notes. Let's move on to our next segment, which is What Drew Money. Money, 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 money. Money, money, money. Drew Money segment I give my favorite moments from the shows this week in wrestling Um, we actually have two Dynamites to go over a Saturday Night Dynamite and a Wednesday Night Dynamite but first we gotta go to Friday and Friday Night Smackdown because that was the first show that happened since last uh, podcast and uh, I just want to take a moment to just talk about how great Seth Rollins is Um, he's so over the top that it's hilarious. He's so entertaining. Um, I hope he does get a title shot soon, like he asked for. There was a great segment. Um, he went into the the office with Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville and talked to them about... Roman Reigns is going to be making this uh, this address about the state of the Universal Championship, and Seth hopes that he becomes the number one contender because he deserves it and Seth went from this like goofball kind of joking character to very serious for that minute or two in that promo and then went back to being uh the goofball joking you know messiah complex guy um it's just like really nuanced but really really good and this is great storytelling because they're planting the seeds for Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns they did it at a uh, on a SmackDown a couple weeks ago, I believe. Um, and so I'm assuming this is going to be something either for SummerSlam or a backup plan for SummerSlam if something else happens with either, you know, John Cena or The Rock or whatever the rumors are. Um, but Seth Rollins, he's doing great. Him versus Roman Reigns is definitely a match I want to see, especially these both incarnations of each of their characters. They're so different than who they were before. Um, Just really great stuff from Seth. Um, Main storyline-wise, well, I guess this isn't a main storyline, but I'm glad Baron Corbin is back to being Baron Corbin. Um, They were calling him King Corbin for such a long time because he was the king of the ring, but I don't know, that was like a year and a half ago, at least. Um, I thought the King Corbin character had run its course, and um, it was time for him to get back to just being Baron Corbin. Plus, I like his theme song as just Baron Corbin. I don't like the little remix with the uh, king music, the monarchy music. So, he, he did a really good job. Like, he saw Shinsuke get coronated... As the new king of SmackDown. And he was watching in the back on uh, TV like, you know, a bunch of people do in those segments. Um, and he, he was really good. He seemed pretty emotional. It looked like he was on the verge of crying. Really good acting by Baron Corbin there. Um, so, I hope his story continues to develop. Um, and we'll see. Maybe he'll get put in Money in the Bank... Um, he has won Money in the Bank previously, but they never really did anything with him. He lost the briefcase. Um, I think he lost it. He lost to John Cena maybe, or maybe that was Sandow. I don't know. He didn't win the title. Um, so nothing really came of him winning Money in the Bank. Um, but I, I hope Baron Corbin gets, uh, a little bit more, uh, of a, of a main event, Well, I guess he's a bad guy, though, so him versus Roman Reigns maybe won't make sense. But they are planting the seeds for Seth and Roman, which is bad guy versus bad guy. So we will see with Baron Corbin. Um, But he's such a good bad guy that um, that's why he's always on TV basically every week because he's great at what he does. He is so good. And something else that was really, really good was the end of SmackDown with Edge being a surprise and attacking Roman Reigns. I don't know why I didn't sense that this wasn't going to happen, but I didn't, and Edge returned, beat up Roman Reigns. I was like, okay, yeah, okay, we got something going here. Um, You know, this will be the nice match for Money in the Bank, even maybe to SummerSlam. See, that's the, the, the great part about Roman Reigns and his story. There's multiple ways that Roman's story can go to SummerSlam, and that's only... You know, a month and a half out at this point, he could face Edge at SummerSlam. He could face uh, John Cena, maybe. He could face Seth Rollins. You know, you don't know what's going to happen, um, which is great television. So I I like the return of Edge. We hadn't seen him since WrestleMania. I thought this was uh, well done. Um, It's been, what, a few months, two or three months since WrestleMania? Uh, Let's see, April, let's see, May, June, yeah, almost three months. Um, So it's good to keep superstars fresh, especially legends like Edge, Um, and his segments with Roman are going to be incredible. They're both great. It'll be spear versus spear, and I'm really excited to see where that story goes. It's probably gonna be something I talk about in the Wadro Money segment for <laughs> the next few weeks because I'm sure it's gonna be great. I'm just gonna go right in order here of the week, moving to the Saturday night edition of Dynamite. There was really only one thing that stuck out to me that I really, really enjoyed, and that was the segment with Tully Blanchard and Conan. Uh, going back and forth with promos, hyping the FTR versus Proud and Powerful match. I thought both of them gave great promos. Um, it was something different. It wasn't just FTR and Proud and Powerful talking to promote the match. It was their two managers. And this was a, a nice little swerve too here at, at, at the end of this segment with um, FTR coming out pretending as if it was proud and powerful, and then beating up Conan. Uh, they, Conan even took a, a, a pile driver. Just a really great segment, really well done segment. All the pieces fit together well. Made me want to see this tag match even more. Um, so I think this was the best segment for AEW, um, even in the two shows that I'm going to be reviewing today. Uh, for this podcast, this was the best segment by far an actual segment um, and really the only thing that I had to talk about for this dynamite and I'll talk about dynamite at the end of this segment as well. um actually, you know what I'll just talk about it now because I don't really have much Wednesday night dynamite that just occurred. I record this on Thursday, so this was last night. The elite came out they all were all <laughs> they all had wacky facial hair, um, I thought this was hilarious, but other than that, I don't have anything else to talk about from Wednesday Night Dynamite, um, last night. Matt Jackson had, like, a, uh, Hulk Hogan-like, uh, uh, look, um, oh, no, that was Nick. Nick Jackson had the, the, like, Hulk Hogan kind of look, um, Matt Jackson had just, like, a mustache, um, I don't know, maybe kind of like Rick Rude, trying to be like Rick Rude. Uh, Maybe they were all trying to, like, parody something. Because Kenny Omega, his facial hair looked like Triple H's facial hair from the early 2000s. And sometimes Triple H still does that facial hair. But kind of like the handlebar that connects to uh, the the, uh, sideburns. I really enjoy this. I really enjoy what the Elite is doing. After I finally realized what was happening with them, even Brandon Cutler was—he uh, had a different mustache. Um, I'm not sure why the Good Brothers didn't. Maybe because they're TNA superstars, so or Impact Wrestling superstars, I should say. Um, so they don't necessarily have the clearance to do that. Their main shows, Impact, um, but I think it's really really funny, something lighthearted, something enjoyable. And it was, it was throughout the show because Young Bucks started the show with their. Different facial hair. And then Kenny Omega was in the middle of the show and he had his facial hair. It just looks absurd, but they're bad guys. They can look absurd. But similar to AEW Dynamite the last two episodes, um, with Monday Night Raw, there's only one thing to really talk about. And that was Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair. I like Rhea continuously playing dirty with Charlotte. Uh, This week she chop blocked Charlotte's knee. This is now actually turning into a story. I like how it's developing. Um, You know, Ric Flair is the dirtiest player in the game. Charlotte Flair is the daughter of the dirtiest player in the game. So that makes her the dirtiest daughter in the game. I don't know. Um, And then there's Rhea Ripley, who is out-dirtying the dirtiest daughter in the game. Uh, It's a good story. At least it gives the Women's Championship something to grab onto. It's a little bit more personal. It isn't just like, hey, I want your title. That's why we're fighting. Um, so that that was a, what stood out to me with Monday Night Raw. I thought NXT was actually um, the best show of the week here. Um, there were five entertainment segments, entertainment moments in a row. Um, there was Cameron Grimes and LA Knight. Uh, they did a little promo after Cameron Grimes had an enhancement match. Um, there was the Zoe Starks, Io Shirai, um, Mackenzie, um, Mackenzie Mitchell and Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell interview. There's the Samoa Joe, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, um, in-ring promo. There was the Tian Sha, um, pre-tape hype for their match, for their tag match. Um, and then there was the, uh... Hit Row, Swerve Scott, short match hype promo. I love these entertainment segments. I'm more of an entertainment segment type of person and less of the in-ring wrestling type of person. I think NXT needs a little bit more of the entertainment segments, um, especially segments like the Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly promo. Um, This was a real good segment. Cole made it personal mentioning Kyle O'Reilly's wife. Uh, wrestling in general, these more personal stories. Um, the best matches, the best stories are the ones that are personal. Um, even on top of the title stories, um, you know, a title stories kind of just a backdrop. Now it's like, oh, we're fighting for the title. Here we go. Uh, I want the title. I want to keep the title. Where these personal stories, it's much more of like a vendetta and a rivalry, and. Uh, these two have done a great job of making their story personal. Um, their first match, the segments leading up to it, were really personal. Um, so just really great stuff out of Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Adam Cole. I even liked the Johnny Gargano and Karrion Cross stuff throughout the show. That was solid. Johnny attacked Cross when he got to the building. Then there was their little promo they did. Cross called out Johnny. And then uh, they went to the parking lot and uh, Johnny beat up Karrion Cross and then Karrion Cross beat up Johnny. So that was uh, a, a thread throughout the show. That was that was good. All those entertaining type of segments that aren't necessarily in ring action, I enjoyed. Uh, the one thing with uh, in ring action that I, did enjoy and I don't know if I enjoyed it as in like uh, like oh that was really cool but more of it than just like a shock and astonishment was Lee legitimately knocking out Mercedes Martinez with a spinning kick. I mean this thing looked absolutely brutal. I do not think this was the planned finish. Um, Zaya just spun and drilled Mercedes like. Right in the temple, cheek, area, just, oh, what a kick. It was It was beautifully done. <laughs> you know, if it was a real contest, it was a great kick. Um, if this was the planned finish, it was incredibly done. The acting was great. Um, <laughs> but it did not seem like it by the reaction of Mercedes Martinez... Um, and Xia Li and everybody else, um, Mercedes was quickly covered by, um, by Xia and kicked out or, like, looked like her shoulders w- were up the whole time, so, like, she was not, <laughs> she was not selling the move like a move is usually sold and then doing a typical kickout. She did kick out and then the ref saw what was going on. The match ended. Ref called for the match because clearly Mercedes was out of sorts. Um, and then they, the production, the cameras were just focused on Zion. Uh, you know, she did look a little concerned. They're never out there to actually hurt each other, but boy, you know, this is a good way to make her character look legitimate. Cause she looks legitimate enough. Like when she comes out and she does her entrance and she does, whatever she does I don't even know what to call it and i don't and I don't want to say the wrong thing um it's just like she looks like a badass that's it that's simply it she looks like she can destroy anybody and uh really really well done this is this will end up being good for zaya's character they could turn it into something and say like you know I knocked Mercedes Martinez out Mercedes is this uh, veteran and tough, tough girl, tough character, tough woman. Um, so I think they'll turn it and use it, but scary sight, but uh, really, really uh, intriguing sight, like, woof, that was not supposed to happen, but it happened. It's like, you know, car crash or train wreck, like you just can't take your eyes away for it. And they kept replaying it too. They did a couple of replays on one camera angle and then the other camera angle, finally you saw like, oh boy. Zaya just knocked Mercedes out with this kick. She aimed it a little too well and caught her a little too well. Um, and then finally, there was the main event, which this was a little bit of a surprise to me as well. Swerve Scott won the North American title. So even with Hit Row at ringside, I did not think that Swerve was going to win this match. I thought Bronson Reed was some somehow going to overcome the odds and win. I didn't expect Swerve to win, and so I was caught off guard when Swerve won. I was just like, oh, okay, this is cool. They're doing something with this Hit Row. Um, They seem to really like Hit Row and what Swerve's doing. I don't know. I'm, like, in between on Hit Row. Sometimes I really, really like it. Sometimes I really, really don't like it Um, because I think it's, like, caricatures of that, you know, rap um, type of... uh, um, lifestyle but you know when i think about i like all wrestling is like caricatures of something so uh i'm not totally sold on hit row but i think this helps um giving them a title given uh somebody to chase um for a title is always great swerve can hold this title hostage with hit row helping them and i think this is a, a good look for nxt but I'm going to move on to the situations in wrestling that weren't such great looks. And I'm going to do that in the Drew Count. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got I can't believe it. Nobody's ever kicked out of that! The Drew Count's where I give my moments to complain about in the shows this week in wrestling. Um, I was just talking about NXT, so I'll finish up with NXT. Because um, I only have one small note here. Uh, so I mentioned I liked the entertainment segments, and five being right in a row. On NXT, there were also two enhancement matches in a row. Roddy Strong had an enhancement match, and then Cameron Grimes had an ent- an enhancement match. Um, so, you know, kind of a nitpicky thing. Um, I, I don't know. I guess if you had an enhancement match on each of the hours, I would feel better about it. But right in a row, to me, that's just like kind of like, hey, don't watch this this part of the show. Don't watch these ten minutes, fifteen minutes, because this guy is gonna obviously win the match, and uh, you don't know the other guy, so you know you don't really have to pay attention. Um, and that's never really a feeling you want to give off in enter any sort of entertainment uh, forum. So the two enhancement matches in a row, that's a no go for me. Going back to SmackDown, um, Bianca Belair had a promo talking about she was seeing a reflection in the title uh, in the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, and, like, I don't know. It kind of just took me out of it. Maybe this is nitpicky, but, like, the title's not really reflective at all. It's tough for me to take this promo seriously. Like, it's just the big WWE logo, It's not very reflective. It's not super shiny. It's just diamonds, like even the the nameplates are not all that shiny because they just have you know the the logo of the wrestler on it. I I don't know. This wasn't for me. You know, it was definitely a weirdly scripted promo that was supposed to be inspiring, but it wasn't to me. I don't understand uh why Carmella got into the money in the bank ladder match without qualifying. I think that's a little weird. But uh all right, like on Raw, the women, I mean, I didn't like that they had a tag match to qualify, but at least they had a match to qualify. Carmella didn't have a match to qualify. Sonya Deville just came out and was like, hey, guess who's in the uh, Money in the Bank ladder match? Carmella! She's won Money in the Bank before. She deserves to be in it. It's like, oh, if that's the case, like, <laughs> anybody who's won Money in the Bank should be in the in the Money in the Bank briefcase. You know, Randy Orton should be in Money in the Bank because he's won the Money in the Bank briefcase. Baron Corbin! Maybe Baron Corbin, maybe they'll say this week on... On Smackdown. That's what they'll do with Baron Corbin. Is say. Oh you know what. He's won Money in the Bank. He's in. He's in the Money in the Bank. Briefcase match. Um, I didn't notice though. Uh, during Carmella's little promo. That she gave. Her and Sasha Banks. had the same exact. Fake laugh. It's like. Ha ha ha. Like that. Like that's. A, ha ha ha. Like. Why. Why are. Uh, why are you laughing that way? It's weird. <laughs> like. I don't know. They both laughed that way. Um, but the, the one main thing that I wanted to talk about on SmackDown was actually the formatting of this show. It was a show of rematches. Three out of the four matches on the show were rematches of very recent stories and matches. I don't think that's a good look. Um, you know, obviously, I think they were just... Packing the show to get to the end with the surprise with Edge, um, which was great, but the lead up to that, like three of the four matches are all just like rematches. Like I don't need to watch this. I've seen it. Nothing, nothing earth shattering really happened. Nothing different really happened. Just kind of lousy formatting. Let's go to uh, AEW Dynamite on Saturday. The staging, again, was different. The crowd was on the stage. There was one tunnel to the left. The hard cam faced the audience on the stage. This is just a running theme that I keep talking about. I'm not going to, you know, keep beating the dead horse with this. Although, on Wednesday Night Dynamite this week, the stage was the same as it was on Saturday. So, there's a little consistency. The thing I didn't like on... Uh, The Saturday Night Dynamite was the main event where, and this is something AEW does that I don't like whatsoever, where it's just this, like, kind of weird, over-promising situation. Um, The announcers are like, we're going to stay with this title match, this main event match, no matter how long it goes. Uh, If it goes past the 10 o'clock hour, or I guess two hours, yeah, it would be 10 o'clock. If it goes past the 10 o'clock hour, we're going to stay with the match. And it's like, for me, as an audience, member watching watch the show, I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, this is going to, the show is going to go a little bit longer. That's cool. That's fine. I remember the days of watching uh, Raw where you had to record to, like, 11.15, 11, 11.20, 11, 11.30-ish 11, to be safe because you never knew, like, yeah, the show was programmed at an 11, but... It usually went over to, like, 1109-ish. Or, uh, is it sad? Uh, What does that say about me that, like, I know that that's, like, kind of the time it used to always end? That's how much I watch, like, SmackDown, for example. SmackDown ends at 9.57 on the East Coast. Always ends at 9.57. Almost, well, I should say almost always. 9.57, boom, SmackDown's over. (laughs) I don't know what it is. But that's something uh, I've noticed. So, yeah, anyway, with this Saturday Night Dynamite, announcers are hyping it. Just like, uh, you know, they're hyping the exploding barbed wire death. The The, the ring's going to explode no matter what. The, the The explosives have been activated. Whether the match is over or not in 30 minutes, it's going to explode. Same scenario. I mean, not as over promising, but <laughs> similar. We'll stay with we'll this main event match no matter how long it goes. It could go to 10.30. It could go to 11. We'll be then the match ends at like 9 57 and the show ends right on time. And it's just like, okay. What was the point of that? That's absurd. I know you want to keep people watching, but that turns me off from watching. Um, it's just like, Oh, they just say this. They don't really follow through on it. As for the Wednesday night dynamite that just happened. Um, Really not any, like, talent type of things. Actually, all of these AEW things that I have to complain about, it has nothing to do with the talent. The talent are doing a really good job. Um, And you'll notice what drew money for me were things about the talent um, and stories. These production things, not so much. Uh, So this week on Wednesday Night Dynamite, Chris Jericho is introduced at the beginning of the show, and he comes out. For a four-man announce booth team, like, first of all, this is too many people. Four people are too many. One person has to go. I don't care if it's JR. I don't care if it's Excalibur. I don't care if it's Tony Schiavone. One person has to leave. Four's too many people, and it's not like it's uh, a guest person for a match on commentary. Jericho was on commentary the whole Night. Um, if it was me, I would prefer Excalibur to stay on, um, and do play-by-play. I think Excalibur is unfortunately, uh, sad to say, it hurts a little bit to say this that Excalibur is the best right now on that announced team. Um, Tony's all right, JR, I don't know, I love JR. He's the voice of my childhood, but you know, he is just slipping and you can tell he's slipping and sometimes he just seems like downright, like uninterested, or he says these snarky things where you could tell he doesn't like what's going on in the segment, but he's still trying to do his job. Um, Like for example, one of these things with JR, with him just slipping at the end of Dynamite, he signed off the show saying basically I and I don't have a word for word but he's basically said something like oh there's nothing like a WWE Dynamite. See you next week and it's just like wait a second. Did he just say WWE Dynamite? <laughs> like I don't, you know, mistakes happen. So I I'm not I'm not saying that that's not what happened and he just made a mistake and you know, he's called WWE matches for 25 30 years at this point so of course that's his default setting yeah he's been doing AEW for a year and a half now but it's like it is hard to break out of those patterns so that's not my issue it's that these things occur a lot with JR at least maybe once a month like giving him the benefit of the doubt once a month I'll probably say more like Once a week, I notice him saying something. I'm just like, what's the deal with that? Like, what's the deal with JR? Like, that's a little off. Tony's all right to me. I I don't mind Tony being color commentary. Um, I think AEW would be benefited by moving JR into something else. Um, Like, to have Alex Marvez doing interviews, he's kind of goofy. Maybe have JR do the interviews. Um, he does those sit-down interviews. Those are good. Um, utilize JR in that way. JR can be the sit-down interview person every single week. where it's, it's an exclusive with JR. Have him do something like that. Make Excalibur the play-by-play. Commentator Tony Schiavone. He can do the color commentary. The problem with Tony Schiavone doing color commentary is... If you think, uh, so AEW is trying to go for a real sports type of production where it feels like a real sport. Well, in real sports, the color commentator is usually somebody who played that sport. So, for example, for football on Fox, Joe Buck, play-by-play announcer, the uh, color commentator is Troy Aikman, who used to play quarterback for the Dallas Cow- Cowboys and won three Super Bowls. You know, So there's credibility there. Um for the MLB there's uh what there's um like Matt Vasgersian on ESPN. He's the play-by-play car- uh commentator and then there's Alex Rodriguez who played baseball for you know a pro for 20 years and he's the color commentator. The color commentator um should be somebody who has wrestled in my opinion. Now That being said, I actually don't mind Pat McAfee being the color commentator on uh, SmackDown, although sometimes Pat can... uh, I think Pat has trouble finding um, uh, uh, sound bites. Pat is always just hyped up, and this is something that I had an issue with with Mauro Ranallo when he was calling wrestling uh, for NXT. Uh, I think he did a little bit of SmackDown, but like tomorrow... Tomorrow, no, for Morrow, I should say, everything seemed like a big deal, because it probably was to him, but, like, not every single moment is on the same level in a show, you know? And for everything to get the same exact energy, I understand that's how Pat is. Uh, I listen to Pat's show every single day. I love what Pat McAfee does, but... With his commentary, sometimes he him being so hyped up, uh, that is an issue for me. You know, he it, it's just always like it's same thing with Morrow. Just always like high energy, and it's like just gotta find the levels. What what find the energy levels of this is a huge moment. This is a decent moment, and find what is in between for you to sell that. Um, anyway, I got off on a tangent there talking about, um, uh, announcers. Um, but back to AEW, um, you know, I wouldn't mind if Jericho went into a collar commentary role, um, as he's slowing down wrestling. I wish he was a little less over the top. So, you know, same thing kind of with, with what I was just mentioning with Pat McAfee, Jericho's pretty over the top when he, he, and he's like trying too hard to be entertaining, and it's just like, dude, just let it, let it happen, and you're naturally entertaining guy, just let yourself be naturally entertaining, um, I think I'm done with that, let's go to Raw, I was a bit confused on Raw, how it started out with, uh, Randy Orton not being on Raw, that doesn't bother me, but the finagling of the story that Riddle's fighting for Randy Orton. Um, I'm just not sure how to feel about it. It's a little convoluted. Like, Riddle already is in the Money in the Bank ladder match. He qualified last week. This week, whether it's a legitimate thing or whatever storyline, Randy's not on Raw. <laughs> so, Riddle's trying to fight on behalf of Randy to get Randy in the Money in the Bank ladder match. He goes out, gets the okay from Pierce and DeVille to, to be in this battle royal to fill the third spot for the triple threat main event to see who's going to get the next qualifying uh, spot in Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, and that match was against AJ Styles and uh, Drew McIntyre. Um, Riddle ends up winning the match. Um... And uh, then it's just like he's in this triple threat match. I don't know. It's weird. I did think it was kind of entertaining. Pretty funny that uh, he had Randy's music played, though, and he was doing the Randy Orton poses, and he was trying to be Randy throughout the show. That's fine. Uh, Nikki Ash. Let's talk about uh, Nikki Ash here. Uh, almost another superhero is what Ash stands for. Um, last week I said uh, I put Nikki Cross in the uh, What Drew Money segment, said I was going to give it a shot, well, I gave it a shot, it's stupid, this, uh, almost a superhero deal, not for me, don't get it, you know, always get a chance to turn around on this, but, uh, yeah, the whole Nikki Ash thing, the, the, almost a superhero acronym, yeah, not 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 good. Don't really like it. Don't really have much to say about it other than it being incredibly dumb. Uh, m- more women stuff here for uh Raw. Rhea Ripley, Mandy Rose, and Dana Brooke were in a uh, six woman tag match. They were doing a pre tape promo that got cut off by the sm- start of that match. Um yikes i don't know if this is what was planned for production but to me it didn't come off all that great like what was that you give them time on promo uh, promo time which is invaluable like it's i think it's more important than the actual wrestling itself um to tell a story and push a story further along and then you just cut it off for the match. I don't know. Something weird happened. I don't know. It's miscommunication or... If that was a plan and if it was a plan... I don't like it. Um, there was also another weird production thing with Byron talking over Jimmy when Jimmy was pitching to Commercial about Drew McIntyre's bruises from Hell in a Cell. So Byron cut Jimmy off, basically saying the same exact thing that Jimmy said... As they went to commercial. It was very weird. It's a rare flub by the announcers on WWE. They do not usually talk over each other um, like this. So I guess a lot of weird uh, announcer stuff happening this week in the in the world of wrestling. But uh, they were showing pictures of Drew McIntyre and his bruises from Hell in a Cell. And I wonder if somebody got in Byron's ear as Jimmy was talking and was saying, like, Oh, hey, we just had the strap match with uh, Riker and... And uh, Elias, we don't we don't want the audience to be confused that uh, those that those stra- those uh, bruises are not from a strap match and that's Drew McIntyre and it's not uh, Elias or uh, Riker like we just saw. Um, so Byron just like jumps in and he's like, these aren't uh, this is Drew McIntyre from. Uh, Hell in a cell, not uh, Elias or, or, or uh, Riker from the strap match we just had here on Raw. We'll see you after commercial. It's like, what? Like, Jimmy basically said that. <laughs> it was weird. Um, and speaking of Drew McIntyre, him in the Money in the Bank, you know, I'm just tired of him being in the title picture. You can kind of see where this is going. He doesn't have another shot at Bobby Lashley. Uh, as the WWE champion. He'll probably win money in the bank, and he'll cash in on ba- Bobby Lashley when crowds are back, win the title, you know, finally get his moment in the sun uh, with with fans there, which he certainly does deserve. He carried a lot of WWE throughout the early pandemic, and, um, I, I, you know, he's just been in the title picture for a year and a half now. So... Uh, And it's pretty much been the same thing. So I'm just looking forward to him doing something different. And maybe I'll feel different if he does win the Money in the Bank and then doesn't and he just stays away from the title. He doesn't do anything with the title. Doesn't even threaten to do anything with the briefcase until he actually cashes in and wins the title and kind of gets some distance from the title pitcher. That's at least how I would write it. But uh, I'm going to end it there talking about Drew and that's pretty fitting, uh, because this is a Drew World Order podcast. But uh we're going to do we're gonna to go to a different Drew and uh that is the Redrew. In the Redrew segment, I get my overall ratings and impressions of the shows this week in wrestling, but I don't do the typical star rating, number rating, grade, letters, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs up, nothing like that. If you listened to the podcast before, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't listened to it before, you'll find out very quickly. Let's go with SmackDown this previous week. Um, this show was pretty segment, uh, stagnant. Stagnant. Um, Was not a lot of new on it. There were a lot of rematches. Um, But the surprise at the end of the show. Sent it off on a good note. um, Showing that a solid ending. Can save the rest of the experience. And I am rating. This Smackdown. This previous week. With the rating of. Worth it in the end. Uh, That's how I felt about Smackdown. It was worth it in the end. The main event with Edge. um, Showing up surprising and attacking Roman Reigns um, for a new story and revisit kind of an older story with uh, um, the universal title. thought was great. Um, but the rest of the shows, it was, it was just, you know, three or four, three of the four matches were rematches. You know, nothing was all that great. But in the end, you know, that's all that people really remember is the end of the experience, how you felt when you left so uh even live if a show is terrible live but then at the end something great happens or something memorable happens that is all you remember um so that that's what uh smackdown did for me um dynamite on saturday saturday night dynamite um i'm giving saturday night dynamite the rating of legends night uh i thought the only great segment was focused on legends, Tully Blanchard, Conan, as I described in the What Drew Money. It was not current talent. Um, That's a little bit of an issue when the the legends are captivating and the current talent's not as captivating. Um, That's something um, all of wrestling has to work on. WWE has to work on. AEW has to work on. I think a lot of the time, especially with WWE, they um, go back to... The guys from the Attitude Era who, uh, you know, are still just super beloved um, to get a rating because um, they have various Legends Nights and this person's returning, that person's returning, and you know, I love Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt right now, uh, but like you know, Three Sixteen Day, they're talking about s- Stone Cold instead of the <laughs> instead of the current talent. Yeah, it's just a little bit of an issue there. Um, as for the Wednesday Night Dynamite, um, it, I think it was slightly better? I don't know. There was nothing really that stood out. Nothing that was really lousy, um, and nothing that was really, really great, especially talent-wise. Um, it was really just a standard show, so I'm giving Wednesday Night Dynamite yesterday... As of this recording, uh, the rating of standard definition. You know, it wasn't high def. It wasn't four K. It wasn't eight K or whatever people are using now. It wasn't really, really spectacular, but it wasn't like uh, you know, <laughs> it wasn't like dial up internet or the old days where, uh, or or like antenna. Well, yeah, antenna television is actually in HD now, so <laughs> I guess I can't use analog. It's not even like analog. Uh, tv I, I guess that's why i should be saying whatever standard definition you get it um not the best show not the worst show nothing really stood out it was just kind of uh here's the show um uh, raw um raw wasn't great <laughs> it was not but there was at least one redeemable thing To make me feel okay about the show. That was the Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair story that continues to develop. So, I'm giving Raw the rating of a fan on a summer night. So, you know, you don't have A.C. uh, You don't have air conditioning. It's hot. So, you do have a fan. You put the fan on to get a little breeze while you're trying to go to sleep. Especially if you're somebody like me. You still need, like, a, a sheet to cover you. Um... You know, that's just how I am. I need something covering me, so you're going to be a little bit warmer. So you're still hot, but hey, at least you got the fan on. So you got a little bit of breeze. There's something a little bit redeemable. You're not just sweltering hot, um, just dying of heat exhaustion or heat stroke and just, you know, not being able to sleep. There was something that was redeemable to make you feel okay about the situation. Um, and, And that's what Rhea Ripley and Charlotte were, uh, for me this past week NXT best show of the week by far it had a bit of everything all in good portions all of it was solid it was really enjoyable overall it had the surprise for me would swerve winning it had the uh a bunch of entertainment segments that were really good in ring promo with Kyle and uh um Adam Cole w- was good It had the brutal in-ring stuff with Xylee knocking out Mercedes Martinez. Um, It had the backstage brawling with Johnny Gargano and Karrion Kross. It had another promo with Cameron Grimes and LA Knight. The interviews are all good. Just a really well put together show. I'm giving... NXT this past week, the rating of a well-balanced meal. It, it did. It had all the nutrients, all the vitamins. It had everything you needed. Just a really solid show. It, It was nothing that would blow you out of the water, but definitely the best show of the week. And, uh, I seriously doubt that this podcast was the best show of the week that you listened to on wrestling, but if it was cool, I, I appreciate that. Um, If you want to interact with the show, you can do that on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at DWOPod. If you want to uh, interact in a different way or more, I guess, formal way, you can do that also through email. Um, Send me an email, uh, DWOPod at gmail.com. If all you do is just... uh, Listen and tell one person about it. That's much appreciated as well. Um, you say, "Hey, I like wrestling. You might like this podcast." It's by a fan for fans. Um, it's not super professional. You know, it's it's just kind of laid back discussion or or something to listen to to get other people's thoughts on what's going on in wrestling. Um, you can just tell them, "Hey, you could find Drew World Order." podcast on uh all platforms basically um you just gotta search that search search for it search for drew world order podcast um do all the typical things you do for supporting a show you know rate review subscribe like follow share retweet send comments um if you want to further support the show you can click on the anchor page and there's a link there that you can click on. Anything you put in that will be put right back into the podcast. Um, any feedback is appreciated. Uh, although you'll probably notice I only respond to the more positive feedback because I'm trying to build the more of a positive community here. I think there's a lot of negativity and toxicity in the world, especially on the internet. Um, and uh, just trying to keep... a little lighthearted nature to this wrestling community that, uh, we hopefully can all build. Uh, I appreciate you listening to this week's episode. Uh, thank you for whatever support that you give, even if it is just listening. And, uh, I hope your listening experience was Drew sweet.